of these flags to come up on this stage. Singers, we can just step back. Let's just circle this stage. We got to sing this song one more time. I know you haven't sung it enough yet. Sometimes we get on a song and it's like it's a hard train to stop. But we want to get these flags. Go as far as you can. Go as far as you can. Just okay. Keep me, give me a little courtesy clap out there to keep us going. There we go. A little courtesy clap. Here we go. Here they come. And if you want to go too deep, you can go in front of them. There we go. There we go. Now raise your flags really high. Raise the flags really high. Okay? Here we go. Here we go. Come on. to the Lamb. Then it says, they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory, and wisdom and thanks and honor, and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you this, there's something about coming together in unity. There's something about praying together in agreement. And so we're going to have some people up here pray in their native tongue. And I want you to be in agreement with them, okay? There's a lot of unrest, a lot of crazy things going on in this world, right? But I'm telling you, God is more than enough. He can do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ask or imagine, amen? We have Dr. Ming Wang from China. Amen. Amen. We have Serata from Burkina Faso. She's going to pray in French. Seigneur Jésus Tout-Puissant, nous te rendons grâce, nous te remercions pour cette journée très belle pour la célébration des nations. Nous prions pour les États-Unis, pour l'unité dans nos familles, l'unité dans nos communautés, l'unité dans nos églises et l'unité dans tous les pays. Seigneur, nous te rendons grâce que la fête continue. Merci. Alléluia. Amen. Amen. We have Ranji Thomas from India. Hey, Parmeshwar Pida. Tere sami pam hamate hain aur tumhari vandana karte hain. Sare desh ke log is stage par khade ho kar teri vandana karte hain. To hum sab ko aashish de. Tera naam mahima ho. Sab parvu Yeshu Nasir ke naam pe mangte hain. Amen. Amen. Yasmin from Mexico. Gracias, Padre amado, por este día, Señor. Te alabamos, Señor. Te bendecimos, Padre amado. 
Declaramos Señor que no hay nadie como tú No hay nadie como nuestro Dios Tú eres poderoso, eres maravilloso Tú eres todo lo que necesitamos Tú grande eres tú Señor Y en el nombre de Jesús Padre amado Declaro Señor que toda Latinoamérica y México Padre amado Declararán con su boca Padre amado Que tú eres el Señor Que eres un Señor que vive y, y, y reina por los siglos de los siglos Padre amado Gracias Señor Te pido Padre amado que, que, que nos ayude Señor A quitarnos el velo de los ojos Señor y de los oídos Para poder verte Señor mejor Y para poder escuchar tu Evangelio Señor Proclamado Padre amado Gracias te doy Señor Recibe todo el honor y toda la gloria Por los siglos de los siglos Amén Amén And we have Humphrey from Ghana. Eradi enyango pon yadawasi se onamu doba Jesus Christus so akanyi na bomu se obakufoma yabompa yesese eradi fa wodo ese yakume muma yenu dododo yahuya hu yenya ba ku Jesus Christus mu na mewiasi nyina ehuse eyampa se yewesuafo yadawasi wo Jesus Christus dimu amen. Amen. As you guys know, if you've been following the news at all, there's been a lot of unrest going on across our world, especially in Israel, uh, Burma, Myanmar, India. There's a lot going on. So there's power in prayer. Amen. So as I'm going to pray, and I want you to be in agreement. Let's believe that the Spirit of God is moving. Hearts are open. Lives are being changed in Jesus' name. Lord God, we thank you. Thank you for the nations. Thank you that there's power in your word, power in your presence. There's power in unity, God. And so, Lord, we come before you right now, God, and we just pray for these nations, all the unrest, God. We pray for a peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord. Let your spirit move forth in a mighty way, God. Let lives be transformed. Let governments be transformed by your presence. And, Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to be your hands and feet, God. Let it start with us to, to step across the aisle, to go across the street, to reach out to neighbors and to love on them, Father God, to, to show kindness and love, God, and to, and to bring your love to them. Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.
like our God. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God that would come and visit us. Even on such a day as this, as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, Acts chapter 2 tells us that all the nations were together during that time, and God poured out His Spirit. And we're, we've been praying for you, praying for those who are watching online as well, just believing that that would happen. Even through the message right now, I have the great honor of introducing someone I've known since I was on the campus at the University of Minnesota. And he's been around the world and back again, author of the book, God's Not Dead, one of our co-founders of our global family of churches, Every Nation, part of the pastoral staff. Can we give it up for Dr. Rice Brooks as he's come forward? Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Pastor Philip. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. I just, you know, two things. Number one, the honor that God gets when you see what we just saw. I mean, Jesus came into the temple and he took a whip. Now, this is, doesn't fit the caricature of the nice, gentle Jesus. And he drove out the people that were, you know, making a mess of things. And here's what he said He said, My house will be a house of prayer for all nations. So the, the, if there's any definition of the church, it's to be a house of prayer for the nations. And I, know, I think that if Jesus walked in to our midst, I think he would be pleased at what he saw. Do you agree with me? That that is our mission. And that's not to lift up this congregation. That's just, we're just doing what he said to do. Secondly, just to the work of what you've seen is really the, the tireless effort of this team here, led by our dear Pastor James, and I'm just so thankful for the, for the mandate he carries. He's been working tirelessly to, for us as a congregation, to other congregations in the state. He actually has served other congregations as far as you can name it. He's gone around the world, but he carries with him this message of reconciliation. He is a reconciled man, he and his precious wife and family. So thank you, Pastor James. I don't know if he's watching, but thank you for your tireless efforts. What you saw on the stage was the fruit of him not wanting this vision to go. Uh, what I was able to voice and give voice two years ago when I became the pastor at 2000, uh, that's what drew Pastor James in. Pastor James came to this church, he said, because I saw the nations and he has carried that mandate forward. So now our, our um, theme today, there was a word there, but that's a little better. It was called Pentecost. Of course, in Tennessee, we have a little why we add to that, don't we? It's Pentecost, but we don't want to talk about that. But uh, Pentecost was a, Pentecost, was, there's it. See, no why in it. Pentecost was a, a, a celebration, a normal celebration in the Jewish calendar. But in this particular moment, something happened that was unexpected except for those that had been searching the scriptures to see what's coming next. And what was coming next was after Passover and Christ was offered as the Passover lamb when he died on the cross for our sins and fulfillment of the, of, of the Old Testament law and the, of the mandate of, Christ, of God. Then 50 days later, the spirit was poured out and it says that there were people from every nation under heaven assembled. And it says they all heard them speaking in their own language, speaking about the mighty deeds of God. 
And they went from there, this diaspora, if you will, went from that place to where they just spread out all over the world. In fact, when Jesus ascended after, after ministering for 40 of those days after his resurrection to the disciples, it says he went up and he, was, he ascended into heaven. They saw him, you know, basically leave. I, I, I have five children and one of my, my youngest I would say to him, his name is Charlie, I'd say to Charlie, uh, I want you to have Jesus in your heart. Don't you want to go to heaven? He goes, no, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to stay here with you and mommy. So I was trying to get Charlie as a little boy to, to ask Jesus in his heart. And I had to finally, I, I think the Lord gave me wisdom. I said, Charlie, do you know that Jesus can fly? He said, really? I said, yeah, he ascended. Into heaven. So after I explained that Jesus flew, he then wanted him in his heart. So I know that was a little bit, I had to, I had to reach down and kind of communicate in a way he could understand. But, but I sat, or stood rather, on the mountain. I have a friend there named Tom Hess who has a prayer center. And right on that mountain where Jesus ascended, you can, he has the names of the apostles and what direction they would have gone in after Jesus sent them. And so here we are today, all the way in Tennessee or wherever you're watching, because those disciples obeyed. And they went out with basically two things I'm convinced of. Number one, we have a message that Jesus is alive. They didn't have a New Testament like us. The New Testament, most of the books, all of the books in the New Testament were written in the first century, but it wasn't really compiled and put together uh, decades later. So what they had was the Old Testament prophecies, the Old Testament word, and they had this message that Jesus was alive. He'd been raised from the dead. And they went out seeking common ground with people from other nations, even though they were mostly Jewish to begin with, yet they had to learn how to reach other people that were different from them. And the New Testament, in the book of Acts especially, shows the rocky road. It wasn't a perfect science. Even the great apostles had difficulty with navigating cross-cultural ministry. We have that difficulty here too. We have just cross-cultural living because now this country especially, we are a melting pot of all these cultures, but yet we can't seem to find common ground. We find ourselves becoming increasingly polarized. Here's what the apostle Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9.22. He said, I've become, this is from the ESV. He said, I have, to the weak I have became weak that I might win the weak and have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Now hold that there and just look at that. To the weak I became weak and I don't have time to go through the whole context but ba basically Paul said, whoever I'm trying to reach I have to identify with them to find a way to find common ground to reach them. In fact, I think if we have the New Living Translation, it says this, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, with everything I do, doing everything I can to save some. Now think, just hold that there. He said, I am trying to find common ground with everyone. Now that's a pretty powerful statement. Question is, what are we doing today? Polarization is this tendency where we tend to form our groups and then we not only separate 
and homogenize, we purify, which means we don't let anybody in unless they just really are really committed. And then we vilify those who are not like us. And this is what's happening in our country. It's not just politically, it can happen religiously. It can happen in a number of places. In fact, Pastor James was, you know, he's worked to bring churches together and to bring people together. But he's, he said things to me in essence like, you know, sometimes getting Christians of different churches together can be far more difficult than getting unbelievers together. Can you imagine that? You get a bunch of people of the same, of different churches together and they're all kind of, you know, come to my church. Oh, no, come to my church. Oh, my pastor's this. Oh, no, my pastor's really good. My pastor's like a, you know, like one of those chefs that can throw scriptures up in the air. And, you know, we've got a, you know, it's like, it's like, look, this is, this isn't a who's got the favorite church and who can recruit the most. There's only one person we're talking about. There's only one king worth worshiping, you know, and this is what we're doing here today. We're not here building Bethel or building some other thing. We're not trying to grow our organization. I've said that for 40 years of ministry, I did not follow Jesus to become a religious, a religious organizational leader. I came into this thing because Jesus changed my life and I'm trying to explain to people about him. And I think it's pretty simple. It's pretty, pretty simple when you, when you boil it down. Thank you for that one clap right there. I'm gonna hold that happy thought. Everybody else was clapping in their heart. I felt the heart clap, okay? It's okay. So. Common ground. Can we imagine as believers the massive common ground we have with everybody else? Now, when I get around certain Christians, they say, oh, no, we don't have, doesn't the Bible say, brother, that we have nothing in common with an unbeliever? Well, there is, that's that's a verse. It's, It's not really saying separate and alienate and just get close enough to somebody so that they can hear you when you're shouting. That's not what it is. In fact, if you take every evangelistic encounter, there's common ground somewhere that started it. I hear people say, oh, I was on an airplane sitting next to somebody. Oh, so you were sitting next to somebody. Would that that moment have happened had you not shared that common ground? I was at a restaurant. I was at a ballpark. My kids have a friend. They, I, I met this person by chance here. In other words, you have these little clues of, of, of connections, you know, of, of, of community that you find yourself in, different communities, your work, whatever. And all of a sudden, you look up and go, I've got common ground everywhere, but why is it? Even when we as Christians have so much in common, why are we, in essence, so polarized? Even in a church where you work so hard, Pastor James and his staff working so hard to bring us together. Do you have forces that are trying to just have us run into church like a drive-through and run out? So here we are. We're a people that have been given so much and we ask ourselves, what can we do about that? How can we not fit into this pressure? Romans chapter 12 says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, if you just read, there's 260 chapters in the New Testament. Just take 10 a day and just read that for a few months. And what you'll do is as you read the New Testament over and over again, you'll start seeing the picture of the New Testament and the way we're living and you're thinking, "Uh uh-uh, something's wrong. 
It's like when I go into a restaurant that's got a big picture of a hamburger, and it's just perfect. And then I get my little burger that comes out. Sometimes I just, I've done this before. Here's my move. This, this, this works. I just kind of take the burger, and I just kind of hold it up to the staff, and I go. In other words, you see the difference? There's a picture. There's like verses in the Bible. This is how my kids used to say it. Everything was like or something. There's like Bible verses or something. Like love your enemies. There was a man years ago that wrote a book called The 100. It was, he basically ranked the 100 people in history that had had the greatest impact on history. He didn't rank them according to the nobility of their character. It was if your life was a rock, how big was the ripple when you dropped the rock into the water? Jesus was ranked third. Muhammad was ranked number one. Sir Isaac Newton, who ironically wrote more about God than he did science or math. He was a co-founder of differential calculus, the laws of gravitation. But he said, the reason I rank Jesus third, the secular writer, he said, because Jesus' disciples did not do what he said. He said, just take the most unique commandment of Jesus to, to his people, and that was to love your enemies. He said, by all objective observation, that remains an untried suggestion. So here we are, 2021, wondering why the world is going the way it's going. And polarization is so a part of us that we don't even know it. You know, years ago, and I'd be on these, we're about to start summer, and you get on family vacations, and you pile everybody in the car, and then your dad back then, there was no stopping. Didn't matter if you had to go to the bathroom. It didn't matter if you were hungry or thirsty. You got small cars and you just, you know, for hours, the dad was just committed to get you to point B in the most tormentous, you know, traumatic way possible. And we'd, we'd be driving down the road and all of a sudden this smell, I, I, I call it passing through a stink zone. Don't want to get too indelicate here. It's... it's Sunday morning, but you know, you'd be driving down the road and the smell would come in the car and everybody would get real quiet. And then your father trying to make, you know, <clears throat> there's a factory around here somewhere. Then your little sister and your sister go, I didn't do it. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I used to, when I drive through places where it smelled bad all the time, I think, how do people live here where it smells bad all the time? I'd, I'd be in college in my dorm room, and I, I'd leave and go home for the weekend. I'd leave my dorm room, I'd come home for the weekend, and I'd walk in my dorm room after the weekend, and my room would stink. I'd walk in there and say, Tony, man, something died up in here. You've got to use two prepositions up in. Something died up in here. Tony go, no, man, it smells like this all the time. Have you ever tried to find a stink? You're just looking everywhere. You're looking for some kind of prehistoric spaghetti pan. Maybe somebody left a chicken bone in here somewhere. You know, you're just looking, and all of a sudden, about two or three days later, the smell would go. 
I said, well, I don't know what that was, but it's sure gone. Then a friend of yours would walk in who hadn't been in your room. He'd say, hey, guys, what's going on? Ooh, man, what's happening in here? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it stinks. I go, no, no, it used to stink. He goes, it still stinks. So how do people live where it smells bad all the time? They just get used to it. And now what was one, at one point reprehensible, noticeable, obvious, now it just becomes absorbed. And this is what we're swimming in. We're swimming in a polarized world, and the problem is that Christians, regrettably, are helping lead the way. I have a friend, Pastor James, and I have a friend that's here that... uh, in fact, I love this man for so many reasons. He was here on the stage, Dr. Ming Wang. Uh, fixed my eyes, you know, just been a blessing to the city. Just brought people from all over the world to get their eyes, to, to see blindness reversed. And, you know, Pastor Pat Ming told me, he said, you know, one of the things I love about Bethel, he says, is, is someone who's Asian-American, to have an African-American pastor, he just, he identifies with the struggles of the African-American community because he says that the Asians, Americans, we've had struggles different, but there's a lot of common ground in that. And so I love it when Pastor James, I wish he was here today because we'd have the three of us talking about this. But before the pandemic really kicked in, I was at Dr. Wang's house and he started talking to me about common ground and how he had come from China. Dr. Wang, if you don't know, came from Communist China as an atheist, and he got to Harvard. He has a Harvard MD and, and, and PhD from MIT, and then another PhD in physics. So Harvard MD, PhD, and laser physics from University of Maryland. But when he got here, basically a professor led him to Christ who, as an atheist, he was from China as an atheist, and the professor at Harvard led him to Christ. In fact, when we were doing the movie God's Not Dead, I sat with the screenwriters, and I told them about Ming, and described him, and they put a character, if you ever saw the first God's Not Dead movie, there's a Chinese character in that movie that's based on Ming's life. So after the movie came out and it got some notoriety, I got Dr. Wang and that character, that person, Paul Kuo, uh, and got them on TBN, and we interviewed him in the Tennessee, and I think did an article on it. But, but the point is simply this, is that Ming looked at me and said, we've got to find a way to get common ground. And so when he said that, it just, I thought, this is, I just looked at him and said, this is in the Bible. So how do you find it? How do you find it? I'm going to give you 300 simple steps. Don't you get it? Don't you love that when the guy goes, I've got 300 simple steps. And after about 10 minutes, he goes, uh, number three, you know, you go, oh Lord, how many of this is like, this is five minutes a step, but I'm taking, I'm counting this. I'm going to give you five simple steps. In fact, it's going to spell steps. The S is you have to see. You have to look. It's everywhere. Last night we had almost, how many, Philip, online? Almost 300. 300 students that watched our God's Not Dead event. So what we do is instead of me going in person to these campuses, we sat on the stage, and I have a physicist that works with me, and we filmed a one-hour special, and it's been seen by, by thousands of students in the last few months, so just the latest was, was last night. So we had 300 Peruvian students, 
And then they watched the pre-recorded event in Spanish, so I'm, it's been dubbed. I'm actually talking really with great Spanish. And then we do a live Q&A. So over 200 stayed in the chat, in the Q&A room on Zoom. People got saved. It's incredible. And then we train student leaders. But as I go into college campuses, it's it, it, finding common ground with skeptics and atheists. That's what I do. And it's so easy because we live in the same world. We, we breathe the same air. There's not Christian facts and non-Christian facts. There's not Christian algebra and secular algebra. It's just algebra. In fact, algebra is actually a term that came from Arabic in the, the Islamic world. That's what the term is. It's an Arabic phrase, algebra. So we have so much common ground we don't understand. And, and really, it, we have to work hard to close our eyes to not see it. We love to say in America, oh, well, let's just agree to disagree. Like, wait a minute, let's slow down. Let's agree to disagree. Do you think that actually has any meaning? Maybe you could inject a word like, let's just agree to respectfully disagree. That would at least be an upgrade. Pastor James loves to remind me that we want let's, to, let's, let, let me, I say something, he goes, let me just bring that to the next level for you here. And he's always got an, he's got an amazing insight in those kind of things. Let me upgrade that. So we see, we look. You have to open your eyes. Jesus said, open your eyes and look. So we have issues that happen to our eyes. We have, if you take the metaphor, and I like to do this because I'm working with an eye surgeon in this project. If we take our eyesight, we realize that there are things that we think we see that are not there. You can look out at a swimming pool and see a, a person's coming towards you in the pool, but you can't see them because of the angle of incident where you're observing them. And not until they get right up on you can you see it. Or you look down at water and you see a fish and it looks like the fish is in the wrong place and you go to grab it and you miss it every time. Because it's not really there, it's just a virtual image. Or you put a straw in a glass and the straw looks bent, but it's not. So sometimes our eyes can fool us. Things that we see, we think we see. The light, the night sky is dark, but yet if there's almost an infinite number of stars, why isn't the star, why isn't the sky so bright? It's because the starlight, in essence, it's the redshift effect is going away from us in an opposite direction so that we can actually see. That's like God just being gracious and turning, like, you know, you've been in a dark room and somebody turns the light on and the glare is so light, so bright you can't see. God is so gracious to do this so that we could actually look and see the universe we live in. So we have to look. I do this, you know, when I started looking to other ethnicities. My father took me to, he lived in Africa and worked in Algeria. And I, he told me about the ugly American syndrome where Americans were just seen as ugly, loud. And just when they, we went into restaurants, we were demanding and insensitive. My dad taught me how to be, when you go to another country, be sensitive. If you ever go to another country, uh, if you've ever been to a, if you ever go to a country where you are in the minority, it will change the way you treat others that are minorities in this country. I have been to nations where I am the only dandruff on the tuxedo. <laughs> and when I go to places like Nigeria, they treat me like a king. They serve you. In the Muslim world, in the Arabic-speaking nations, you'd be amazed at the service and the love. I mean, they, they'll give you their last meal. And they come to our country hoping that we will be hospitable. In fact, the word hospitality 
that we like to use is the Greek word philios xenos, which means friend of the foreigner. You can't even be an elder if you're not hospitable. One of the favorite stories around here is, is me observing this thing I saw years ago with African-American men. They, I watched it, African-American men, when they pass each other, they give each other this nod, this courtesy nod. They, they just, in the other, it's like in a sea of other colors, two African-American men would find each other and there would be that communication of like that. It first happened with Pastor Tim and me, and then later it happened with Pastor Jane. Pastor Tim and I were walking down in a public area, and an African-American man coming this way saw Tim. Tim didn't see him. He gave Pastor Tim a courtesy nod, and he didn't see it, so I just stepped in there and picked it up. <laughs> and you could see that guy. You could see that guy looking at me like, man, get out of my nod. Get <laughs> like, who told, you to, who told you about this? Two years ago, I was in uh, Seoul, Korea, going to the campuses, and I walked into a big restaurant filled with obviously Korean people, and everyone was Korean except me and a, a man that later I found out was African-American, but, but, uh, but, uh, but someone who was black, and I walked in, looked around, he looked at me, and we gave each other courtesy nod. <laughs> it's like, well, there was this moment of assessment of like, okay, yep, we got something in common. We're not Korean, so we, that, that I just, was instant. In fact, I went up to the table and laughed, and I, I told him all what I just told you about our church. He had a Korean wife. He just fell over. He just fell out laughing. He just fell over like, he was, like I'd thrown a strike at a bowling alley. He just went out laughing. So S as we look. Find a way. Don't try to close your eyes and say, I have nothing in common. Think to yourself, instead of agreeing to disagree, let me see if I can find something. Even, your, even those that you perceive as your worst enemy, like in the old days when you'd see politicians of different ilk coming together and they'd argue strongly and then they'd get together later and have a, you know, have a meal. Common ground isn't compromise. It's not compromise. It, it, I don't have to become some neutral, well, I don't have any beliefs, I'm just going to stand over here in the middle. No. Common ground isn't compromise. It's a it's a way of respect that allows you to be heard as you listen to others because maybe if we stop shouting and listen, there's some truth in what that person's saying and what you're saying, but if you'll lower your defenses, you'll at least admit there's something there. So you, S is you, you see. The T is trade places. You trade places. You imagine, and that's what going to other nations would do. You go into another nation and you trade places. You think, man, these people have got amazing struggles or they've got amazing ingenuity. Or you go into neighborhoods where maybe you've not been before and you begin to understand the plight or the struggle or you trade places. Like there was a pastor in this very city that I didn't like very much and he didn't like me, so we were even. <laughs> and a mutual friend got us together many years ago and said, y'all, Every time I mention his name, you kind of bristle saying, why don't y'all talk? And it was amazing as we just, instead of fighting each other over the issues I wanted to fight, we found common ground. We traded places. And then he, he, said, he told me something about his life that changed, that changed my perspective. He said, I was raised dirt poor. He said, literally. He said, we lived in a tent. He said, I could not bring people to my house because we had a literal dirt floor. 
And when he began to describe his upbringing, my heart broke for all the wrong perceptions I had about his motive. I thought, man, what an amazing man. Could I have overcome what he overcame or endured that without somehow just shrinking into the background? Instead, he's become a very vocal leader, not here, but in the world. I could go on and on with stories. But see, the trading places is the T, so you see, you look, you trade places, and then the E is empathy. Then all of a sudden, you start empathizing. You actually start having compassion. Jesus has said, looked at the multitudes, and he saw them harassed and helpless, and he said he felt compassion. We look at the multitudes, and we get mad. They're going to, it's a traffic jam. It's hindering my progress. I it says in the last days, Jesus said, or not in the last days, but it says in those days, it says the love of many will grow cold. Matthew chapter 24. To the church in, in Ephesus, Revelation 2, 5, Jesus appearing to John says, I have this against you. You've done all this work, but you've left your first love. Think about when you first got saved. If you're a Christian in this room, Think about who you loved, how much you cared, how much you read your Bible, and ask yourself, are we becoming something different? Are we like the burger in miniature form where what we used to be and what we know to be is now we've fallen? Remember where you have fallen from, he says in Revelation, repent, make a U-turn. So we see, we look, we trade places, we have empathy, and then the P of steps is partner. What we're doing at Bethel could not happen if I had not, if I didn't have a partner in this reconciliation journey in Pastor James. If I did not have a reconciled man walking with me. In every nation, we are in 80-something countries, and we partner together. In my common ground journey, I got a partner to reach out to people of every ethnicity, and that partner is not only Pastor James, but Pastor Ming. But I'm really today wanting, and we're wanting to recruit all of you to become common ground seekers, because the S is to seek. You see, once you see and once you're willing to look and then you trade places and then you have empathy and then you start partnering, not just with people that are like you, but people that are not like you. We went to Iceland when I read in the Washington Post that it said no one under 25 believes that God created the world. Many of you know this story back in 2016, and I called my publisher of God's Not Dead. I said, can I get my book in Icelandic? And they said, we've only had one book ever translated into that language. And so they emailed the translator, and he emailed back, and it turns out he was on vacation from Iceland in America with his wife. Within a week, he was in my home here in Nashville. Nine months later, my book came out in Icelandic, and we've been three times. And when I got there to the University of Iceland, if anybody who comes to our events, we give them free books. We've given away thousands and thousands in many, many languages because I don't want them to think I'm there peddling something. Hey, we give the book away, but there was an atheist that came and he, sent, and he filled out a card and he checked atheist and on the back he said, thank you for coming and bringing your evidence. He said, here's exactly what he said. He said, the kindest thing that a believer could do for an unbeliever is try to save their soul. Thank you. I looked at that and I thought, that's the nicest atheist I have ever read. <laughs> he left his phone number, so I called, his, called the number. He came back the next night, and what I just repeated, we have on film. He's actually saying this. 
I may send this out if, if we can do this, maybe email it out, let you see this little thing so you can, it's exactly. And then he comes and brings his father, and when his father comes in the door, my friend August, who's our, the guy that translated the book, almost fell over. He said, that's the most visible, outspoken atheist in the nation. He was bracing for conflict. And by the end of it all, we were out to dinner, thanking us for coming. And then here's what the, the, this young man who was an atheist said. He said, I'm going to, next time you come, in fact, he did this. He said, I'm bringing everybody I know. In fact, I, I laughed and I thought, my campus minister, if you will, is an atheist. I'm partnering with a skeptic because he can't believe how nice we were. And so he says, hey, I know there's a lot of mean religious people, but these people are actually nice. They won't yell at us. Come, watch, come here. These guys won't yell at us. You know what I'm asking? Come on up here, Ming. Just come stand with me. I, I'm, I had a plan, but I think my plan got, let me see a little microphone. I was going to bring him up. We were going to have a big discussion, but it's not turning out that way. Just, just hold that. Just hold that for you. Just let me finish this. You know, I believe as a Christian you ought to do this because I believe that, that those are the steps that Jesus took for walking in his steps. Number one, he saw us. He saw our need. While we were yet helpless, Christ saw us. He started this. He initiated it. He had not God himself, the creator, become a man in Christ if he had not seen our need and acted, none of this, our lives would be as messed, as messed up as anyone's. Number T, the T, he traded places. He became a man. He became one of us. It says he's, he's easily touched by our infirmities because he himself took on flesh and blood. He had to eat. He was, he was thirsty. He had to pray. He traded places, and that gave him real empathy. He empathizes. He cares. God cares about us. And then P, he partnered with us. Guess what he did? He didn't just say, y'all, y'all are just, y'all mess it up, you humans. If nothing else, I'm going to send some angels. Y'all just get out of the way. Kind of like in the NBA when, you know, the superstar is going to try to take the last shot, and he's just waving at everybody to get out of the way. Just get out of the way. I got this. Jesus didn't wave us out of the way. Even after the disciples denied him, fled from him, he goes and finds them and says, okay, now go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's right after they just messed up. Who gives them more responsibility when they just messed it up? And then he sends us the S to seek. We're intentional. Ming, we've been on this journey together. So... Just summarize this because I've gone way over. This is just like, I don't even, I don't even look at JT because JT's given me all kinds of signs like, you know, flagrant foul, penalty. You know, he's, JT's going to wave me down. So just as an Asian American, I know you, you've told me before that you love coming to this church with Pastor James because you identify such with African Americans and the fact that we have this diversity. Talk just a minute about maybe reacting to what I said and anything else on your heart, and then we just want to pray with it. And we'll tell them about the little Bible study, too. We'll do that after you get to talking. Thank I'll take you. This. Um, I, I'm Asian-American, as you can tell, that we share so much with so many other ethnic groups, Latinos, African-Americans. 
particularly African-Americans, the struggle for civil rights, respect, racial equality. As you know that in the pandemic, the Asian-Americans were discriminated against throughout the United States. And I told um, Pastor Rice before that, I said, him, a white man, me, an Asian man, and Pastor James, an uh, African-American man, we do have much in common. And he said, what do we have in common? I said, well, we are good-looking, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, we, we are married up. Very <laughs> good, very good. So, but we do, have, we do have the common sharing for seeking common ground. I want to give a quick example. I was thinking, Pastor Rice, you were saying, many years ago, I wanted to pray with my patients before their eye surgery. And then I consulted the elders at Bethel, Pastor Rice. I said, should I pray? And uh, many friends said, I mean, if you pray, the non-Christian patients will not come back. You will be offended. Then I was worried. Maybe I shouldn't be praying. praying. But then Pastor Rice and the church leadership at Bethel said, Ming, if it's the right thing to do, they're surprised to pay. So, okay, I'm going to go out the limb. I start praying with all my patients. Every single eye surgery I've done in my life, pretty much I pray with them before the surgery. Then, you know, as a scientist, I always want to do research. So I identify about 100 non-Christian patients. And I want to find out how did they feel. So day after, I asked each of them. So this is a typical answer. They say, Dr. Wang, I don't share your Christ. I said, I know that. That's why I ask you, were you offended yesterday during surgery? They say, yes, you did ask me for my permission, but I didn't, I was underneath your surgical laser. I didn't dare to say no. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I knew I took advantage of the situation, but I took advantage for God, so I felt okay. But I, but I said, I want to know, were you offended? And this is their answer. Almost all of them, they said, no. Not only I was not offended, I was moved. And I said, how could you be moved when you don't share my belief, my Christ? And this is what they said, really taught me something. They say, Dr. Wang, I was moved yesterday before my eyes surgery when you prayed because in one of my most important moments in my life, which is my eye surgery, which will determine the quality of my eyesight for the rest of my life, you brought in something that is most important to you, which is your Christ. And I appreciate that. So I realized at the moment, even though he does not believe Christ, even though we have different beliefs, religion, faith, but it's that humanity, the love for fellow human being that transcends the boundary of faith and religion. It's a love for fellow human beings that is our common ground. Thank you so much. I tell you what, I just, in the old days, I didn't want babies crying, but I love to hear a baby. I was like, get all the babies, I love to hear them crying. So I, did, I was saying, don't move the baby, because it reminds me that I need more grandchildren anyway. Um, 
why don't you stand up with us? We, um, Ming and I have been working pretty hard on this and uh, consulting Pastor James along the way because Pastor James is really running a fast break to get Nashville, the pastors together and to bring the state. I mean, he's really become the voice of common ground and reconciliation. When you ask any pastor around this city, the person that they're looking to, 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 to say who can really help lead the way, it's really Pastor James. And so it's a joy for me. He's been, he's followed me for years, but I love to follow him now. So we take turns of me leading him to the campuses of the world and him leading me into these areas of, especially in this area to, to be voices of reconciliation. But Ming and I uh, put together this little Bible study, the Common Ground Bible study, and it really lays out the mandate, four little lessons about being a peacemaker, a reconciler in the gospel. Uh, they're in the back. If you don't have the $5, I think they're $5, just take one. I don't, we don't want money to be the object. If you want to get four or five of them and just go do a group, but if you read through this, this is going to let you know that common ground seeking for us is not an option. It's going to cut against your instincts. It's going to cut against the flow of what you hear on talk radio. You're going to have to maybe give up some things because we're first and foremost Christians, citizens of another country. I'm not go, I don't go into countries trying to save the nation. I try to save the people in the nation. I'm after the humans. I'm after the people. So let's pray. Father, thank you for, first of all, men and women that are watching online that, are, that have stayed this long. Thank you for this message resonating with them. They don't want to be a polarizing person. They want to be a person of peace, a reconciler, a unifier. We look for those people for our businesses, for our sports teams. We don't want somebody divisive. Why would we want somebody representing Christ in that way? Lord, give, turn us around. Lord, let this be the great common ground turnaround where we turn around, not just as individuals, because it'll help us. It'll, it'll make us better people. It'll make our mental and emotional health better. We'll have better relationships. People will be drawn to us, not away from us. It'll, it'll cause us to, to progress in our business endeavors. We'll be better business people when we carry this spirit. But Lord, more than all of that, we'll be better followers of Jesus. Lord, help us today. If someone here today or watching is not a true follower, if they've not surrendered their hearts, this is all you simply do. You just simply, if there was an offering basket going by, you just put, get in the bucket. You get in the bucket. God doesn't want your money. He wants you. You get in the bucket. Here's my life. Here's my heart. Here's my kids. Here's my future. Here's my past. Jesus, I believe you're real. I want to follow you fully. Now, Lord, cause this congregation and its wonderful leadership team to be ambassadors of common ground. May we all begin to think of ways we can see common ground with others and not vilify the opposition, but actually love our enemies, build bridges, build relationships, and, and the truth. Lord, common ground is not compromising. It's, it's a quest for truth. We trust the truth so much that we trust that when we are close enough to speak it respectfully, the power of it will change hearts and change minds. In Jesus' name, amen.